Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. I sort of wondered would there be, you know, five people. Uh, so very grateful that you're here. Um, we are in the 12 days of Christmas. And just sort of a quick history or church history thing that uh, the 12 days of Christmas begins sundown on Christmas Eve. And it will last until January 5th. And then Epiphany begins on January the 6th when we celebrate when the wise men came to see the baby Jesus. Um, so if you did not get a partridge in a pear tree yesterday, uh, perhaps it's on an Amazon truck. Um, they didn't do Amazon Prime, evidently. So, and for those of you that maybe were a little slow on Christmas gifts, you still have a few days to redeem yourself, um, possibly, just saying. I would like to recount today just a few of the amazing things that happened with the birth of Jesus that sometimes we kind of gloss over or we've heard the story so many times, we're kind of like, yeah, yeah. But really, in Scripture, the wonder of it all, of all the things that happened and all the things that had to come together for his birth is really incredibly remarkable. Really, there are four chapters of Scripture in the New Testament that record these amazing events. And so I'd like to go through them very quickly and then on to stuff that we need to do today. Think about all the appearances of the angels. That the angel, I don't know if you've had an angel appear to you. If you have, that's really cool. Uh, hopefully it was really an angel. Just kidding. Um, but, you know, Gabriel went to see uh, Zechariah uh, in the temple. Ze Gabriel spoke to Mary. Uh, in dreams, angels appeared to Joseph. The Magi were warned in dreams by angels. Uh, Joseph went to Egypt because of a dream of angels, a fear of anyone hurting um, baby Jesus. And then he returned to the Holy Land when he was told in a dream that Herod had died and no one was trying to... Um, be trying to hurt Jesus. It's important to kind of think in mind when, um, like with the life of Moses and how all the baby boys um, were being killed by decree of Pharaoh, and then with Herod and the baby boys that were affected in Bethlehem, um, and Jesus, you know, Joseph took him and was able to escape. The star, I mean, they still can't figure out the star. You know, the star that led the wise men to baby Jesus, um, Bethlehem. The entire, that entire region, that part of the world, was turned upside down so that Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, right? I mean, there was a census. You had to go to your hometown. And so everybody, think about it. You know, would you be really excited to have to do that? And yet Caesar said you had to do it. And, and, and the reason was Jesus, the fulfillment of prophecy, was that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Um, really pretty amazing. The shepherds has, had a visitation of angels. Shepherds' fields in Israel is one of my favorite places to see because there aren't like four churches built over it. They may have by now. It was a long time when I was there. But they're just fields. And it's where, where David, as a little boy, was a shepherd in the fields outside of Bethlehem. And it's where it was proclaimed to the shepherds, 
probably not the guys that had an MBA or, you know, PhD or whatever, that the angel first appeared to the shepherds. Can you put yourself in that scene? I mean, can you imagine just a regular night, no big deal, sheep hopefully behaving, although I don't know that sheep are prone to do that. Um, but just the entire, an angel appears. And then it says a company of angels. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be pretty amazing. You know, if, I mean, just how the sky, you know, and of course there weren't lights or whatever, and they didn't have their cell phones, I'm guessing, and, you know, lights from that. And so the light of the angels in that area, I mean, it would be, I would think, scary and amazing and life-changing. Would you ever forget? Would you ever forget when a company of angels came and spoke to you about a baby being born in Bethlehem? Declaring glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. After 33 days of Jesus' birth, uh, Joseph and Mary had to go to the temple to, for purification rites. And it was at that time that there were two prophets that appeared and they felt they were led by the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't know when you were having your child baptized or 33 days after you had your kids or whatever, if any prophets appeared and spoke to them, spoke to you about them. But they felt led by the Holy Spirit to be in the temple and, and go and see baby Jesus and pray over him. Not the easiest prayers spoken, some of the things that were said to Mary. But what an amazing thing that these people that were devout in prayer, very serious about prayer and seeing God's redemption of their world, that they would be there at the exact time that they were there to have the purification of Mary and Jesus be in the temple. There's the whole thing about the Magi. Now, we often think there were three because the song says three, but I would just submit to you there were three gifts, but most historians believe it was a parade. It was not, I mean, it was not a few guys. They had to travel, we estimate, 700 miles across the desert to find baby Jesus, to find him. Now, that's a pretty long trip, you know, if you're in your best car. And if you're traveling by camel, I'm not sure how fun that would be, you know, and how long that would take. I mean, they think it took a long, long time. It was a parade. They served the king of Persia, um, and they think that the amount of gifts were just incredible. They had to have security besides the wise men. They had to have security because they were carrying very precious things. And so just the, the entire scope of that um, is huge. See, we see the time before the angel spoke to Zechariah in the temple as the 400 silent years when really there was no word of the Lord. And it was a time of great tumult. It was a time of great um, disruption. Most of the children of Israel were in Babylon. And then eventually they were allowed to go back. But it was not a good time. Their cities had been overrun. The, you know, it was, it was not good. And yet in all of that time when they felt God was silent, there was a whole lot going on. A lot of times for us when we feel like God is silent... It's not that we are being punished or that he doesn't care. It may mean that he's preparing for the next thing. 
and it's good. Now, I am not um, a connoisseur of camels. I have been around them a couple of times in my life, primarily in the Holy Land, one time at Petra uh, and another time at the pyramids uh, in Egypt. Um, uh, my mom was on a camel, and um, the the guys that are there, you know, and of course they want money, you know, but they they want you, you know, they offer for you to feed a, a Pepsi to the camel, and, pe- and bottled Pepsi. Yes, this was a long time ago. Bottled Pepsi, and the and the camel just chugs it. I mean, just you know, it ought to be a commercial, you know, except it's kind of gross, you know. And then the camel. Now they do not. Camels do not floss their teeth, right? And they do not have dental hygiene, right? And so then the camel will burp. And it was perhaps the largest burp I have ever heard. And I would say as a children's pastor, I've heard quite a few young men, you know, try to give their best on just kind of rattling you. All right, so here's the deal. This is something new that I learned, and I hope you enjoy it. And yes, it's off the point, but it's funny. Every year, there are camel festivals in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia and other places, where they are, um, they, an invitation goes out for people to bring the most beautiful camels they have to, to this month-long festival, and they decide about the most beautiful camel. Now, that seems to me an oxymoron. You know, camels and beautiful, how does beautiful rank with camels? But there's been a real controversy in the last few years. And you can look this up on Google. I kid you not. The BBC promises they have integrity in reporting, you know, and that's always good to know. But there is this camel festival. And about 40 of them got bounced because they were taking Botox injections to make their lips and nose larger. Now, is there a reason to make their nose larger? (laughs) Right? They evidently gave them shots to enhance their muscles. It kind of sounds like the Olympics, right? Um, And they would give them shots to enhance their humps, like they weren't attractive enough. Okay, this is a real thing. I mean, a real thing. Look it up. Google it. In 2018, the prizes, the prize money was $44 million. Anybody got an extra $44 million on you? For the prettiest camel. Now, that should make you a little bit ill. Uh, just kidding, but it is kind of astonishing. And so about 40 were bounced. You know, they have a new technology in Saudi Arabia to detect the Botox. I don't know what it is. I don't know that I want to know, but they have new technology. And this year they had to bounce even more because of Botox enhancement. Now, you know, there, there are so many sides to that that are just hilarious. This year's prizes were $66 million. And it doesn't happen just like in Riyadh. It happens all over because they're trying to emphasize how important the camel was um, in earlier days, now that most of them are not on camels if they have a choice. That's all for fun. Um, It was just too good. I'm sorry. It was just (laughs) Botox and camels. I'm just like, 
you know, and I don't even want to go there on how they were able to determine that they had had Botox. Anyway, those who saw the baby Jesus that night were changed forever. When the wise men came uh, from Babylon, uh, they had come to worship. And they were Gentiles. So Jesus came not for the Jewish population only, but also for the Gentiles. That would be us. So he came for the whole world. He came for the whole world. And so what do we do with that? It's so easy for the story to just be, yeah, yeah, I know that. You know, I know that part. I know that part. But, but how do we remain the same in hearing the scripture? You know, in Hebrews, it talks about scripture is um, alive. There's no book you can read that would be like scripture to change your life and to bring life and light to you. So how do we respond to such an amazing act of love that was foretold in Genesis 3? See, pretty early on in Scripture, we have the one story of God extending his love to us so that we might be in relationship with him. And, and you see the story of God reaching out and, and a people that continued to sin and separate themselves from God so what's true what is true well for starters it's God's love that he loves you he loves me unconditionally his love is not based upon were you good his love is based upon that he loves you and there's nothing you can do to stop that love nothing can sin separate us from God? Yes, it does. And it separates us from other people. But God's love for us, even though we may grieve him with our sin, God's love is unconditional for us. Oh my goodness, it, just for people to really kind of be able to get that, that it's not about what you do, but it's based upon God's love for you. I mean, what we do has consequences. It absolutely does. People that tell you that no one will ever find out or whatever, well, that's a joke. You know, that's a really good, you know, really good comedy line right there. What is true? That God loves you unconditionally. And that we understand a portion, at least, of that love because he loved us first. Love starts with God. It doesn't start with whatever your favorite movie is or whatever your favorite movie may not be or whatever. You know, I mean, it doesn't start with a song. It starts with God and how he loves us. Love is a verb. It's about what you do. It's not so much about what you say. Sometimes it's easiest for us to say, I love you. But if our actions, if our attitudes, if our heart is not in that if we don't show it by actions seems like it's really pretty pointless and yet we all sin sin is very real and to say to a generation or to say you know to a people you know it's okay you're a good person you know you'll be fine well it's wonderful to be a good person but we all sin and sin separates us from each other and from God and so we needed a savior, and his name is Jesus. There is no other name. There is no other name under heaven or in earth that, that will save. 
except for Jesus. And so this, this time of year on Facebook and other places, you, you will see comments about the greatest gift and all that kind of stuff. And, and all that's cool, and I get it, and I agree. But do we recognize the significance that that baby came to die on a cross because we needed a Savior? And that baby came to be put in a tomb when he was 33. But he rose again. History changed with the life of Jesus. All of history changed. And so our lives should too. Our lives should change accordingly. Greatest gift ever. I don't know what you got for Christmas. Or I don't know what you're hoping for in the 12 days of Christmas. I hope you don't get a partridge in a pear tree. Um, a lot of those gifts, you're kind of just going, who thought of that? You know. Um, anyway, I think, Tim, I think Tim Thompson's going to talk about that more next week. But the greatest gift, that we have a Savior, that we can spend eternity with God. Eternity. It's not just however much time we have on this earth. There is far more to it than that. So we've been given the greatest gift. We've also been given free will. That people can choose to walk away from it. I don't know how you would feel if you had this amazing gift under the Christmas tree for your kid and they were just kind of like, well, maybe I'll get to it later. And yet sometimes people do that with the gift that is Jesus. And sometimes people do that with the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like, well, if God really wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Well... If I bought a, an amazing present for my kids and it was under the tree and they were kind of like, well, if you really want me to have it, you would give it to me. I kind of think the spirit of slap might come on me. I'm kidding. I have not hurt my children ever. <laughs> Greatest gift. Greatest gift. So what do we do about our sin? We repent. We need to repent. Um, telling a story on Lauren that um, I did not ask permission for, but sorry. <laughs> when she was a toddler, she was very young. She was probably about Zelda's age. Um, you know, they reach a point when they're walking pretty good and then they want to run. And they don't always look where they're running. They just run, right? And so Lauren, we were at a friend's house who the woman was strange to start with, I will just say. She left out candy in case the aliens came by. I am not kidding. I am not kidding. And so you're kind of just going, why are we here? Um, anyway, not my choice. So Lauren was just running, and she ran into a door jam. And, you know, she fell and, you know, I mean, wasn't massively hurt, but it was a surprise and all of that. And, you know, I mean, part of one of the hard lessons in life is that unless you live in Southern California, where door jams can tend to move from time to time, if you run into something solid, you're going to fall down, right? Y'all with me? Y'all have too much eggnog? So the lady, the owner of the home, went over to the door jam. I am not kidding. God is my witness. I am not kidding. And she's hitting the door jam. And she said, you bad, bad thing. You hurt Lauren. And I'm like, what are you smoking? 
I mean, yes, I didn't want my kid to be hurt, and no, I'm not like heartless going, get up, you know, but I mean, it wasn't the door jam's fault, and if we do that, you know, I saw her do it one time with a swing with one of her grandkids, that it was the swing's fault that the kid fell out, and the kid wasn't holding on, and so how do we say to them, you're a sinner, if everything else is somebody else's fault? Y'all with me? I mean, we all sin, and we have to own it. We have to own it, and we need a Savior. And so we repent of our sin. We repent on the ways that perhaps we have grieved God. We repent on ways that perhaps we have hurt one another. And that's not easy. That's not easy. And that's not a one-and-done, friends. (laughs) At least for me, that's not a one-and-done. We pray to accept his love for us. It's a prayer. We pray and ask forgiveness of our sin. And we receive him as our Savior. It's very simple. The gospel is very simple. And yet, it is the most powerful thing you will do. Ever. Ever. So today, as we celebrate what Jesus did... And a loving God, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, sending him to earth. There's a a line in a song um, from Hillsong that talks about how he leaves, I'm going to say it wrong, but that he left the majesty of heaven for a cradle in the dirt. C.S. Lewis said that God becoming man would be kind of like man becoming a grub worm. Now, grub worms are lovely, right? I don't know if they have festivals for the most beautiful grub worm, you know, in different parts of the country. Grub worms are the things that you squash, right? So it doesn't mess with your garden. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this in the next year? What do we do with this for our children and grandchildren? How does what Jesus did hundreds and hundreds of years ago, amidst tremendous oppression, crazy people were king, Herod was just crazy, Um, and yet the Savior of the world was born in a little town in Israel, in a stable where it stunk. Anybody been in a stable or around animals lately? The digestive process happens, right? Some of you didn't get that at all. So, so I would just encourage you in these days between now and the new year, um, and I'm not necessarily saying make resolutions, but I would say, how does he make a difference for you? And how can we possibly remain the same year after year? We need to be growing, learning more, being a part of of his kingdom here on earth. What an amazing Savior. What an amazing Savior. So as I look to 2022, you know, I need more of God. I need more of being sensitive to him in times that I may grieve him or... um, in any way grieve his spirit 
to be able to walk in repentance when I need to do that, to be able to call on his name when I need strength. I don't know how it is for y'all, but there are times I need his strength. There are times I need his grace. There are times I need the Holy Spirit to work in a situation because I have no clue. I have no clue, but God knows what people need. So I pray for us all divine appointments. I pray for us all who may be struggling this day and in this season, season with loss. I pray for us as we look to a new year that we would really seek God on what he wants to do in our lives, who he wants us to talk to. Sometimes the greatest disruptions can be the most important divine appointment possible. Or God may be wanting to encourage you in some way that you had no idea you needed. What an amazing Savior. What a time of wonder of all that went on for baby Jesus to be born in Bethlehem to fulfill the scriptures. To f that's how important scripture is. To fulfill the prophecies, to fulfill the scriptures. Let's pray. Oh God, I thank you for your indescribable gift in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for, for your love for us that, that we might grasp your unconditional love, that you love us no matter what. It doesn't matter what we've done, that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that in the fullness of time, you sent your Son born of a virgin, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might be called children of God, a loving God who cares for you more than you can even imagine, a loving God who sees you as his child, as an heir. Oh, Lord, open our hearts to receive your love. Open our minds to understand your scriptures. And under, Lord, help us be open to the work of your spirit. Lord, we honor you this day. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.